Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. I'm Miriam Suela Perez. And I'm Vero Valletti Flores, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week our theme is Heat Wave! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming Fuck. off like the three hottest days ever recorded on Earth. We're just like, <sighs> what are we going to do? <laughs> oh man, I know. I know, it's yeah. a lot a lot of things to talk about, but let's right. talk about what we're listening to. It's a total mm-hmm. classic. It's one that I brought. Let's take another listen to Calor by Hector Alfader. Epic, epic. I felt like this was like, so when I thought about when I was like, okay, like, we, what am I going to pick for this? Like the first song that I thought about was this, Calor by Hector Alfader. And then as you will notice throughout <laughs> the episode, like I just like typed it into Spotify and then all these other songs also titled Calor came up and there were like, there was this one and the other two. And I felt like they were each like, sort of like representative of like a genre of music that I really fuck with that are all really different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I decided to go with a little theme. So mm-hmm. I'm starting off with like just like the very um, epic Hector Alfader. Um, I also have just been like, you know, when we when I interviewed Villano Antillano, we were like, you know, like, you know, singing along to Hector Alfader together. And this mm-hmm. is like, you know, he's been like sort of in my orbit again. Um, you know, nice. obviously has never left. But um, but yeah, I've been thinking about him. So this was the first one that came to mind. Beautiful. I just I just feel like I have to say for the record that in the past when I have done a similar thing where I've just like taken the theme and like found songs with that word in the title, Veto has made fun of me for it. So I just I feel like I just need the record to show that I thought about doing it too and then I was like, you know what? No, I'm gonna be a little bit more creative. So I I I respect what you did, but I just wanna know. I just want people to know keep what's happened in the past. Yeah, yeah totally. Um Okay, I have to say, I have a. I feel like I have a new appreciation for the air horn. There's like a really good air horn <laughs> moment in this song. <laughs> I like. I hate an air horn. Okay, so places, yeah. ways I don't like an air horn. A DJ who is like obsessed oh with the air God. horn. Yes, really the, makes the, me want to shoot myself. This is a very myself. big problem in <clears throat> New York City because it's a very like Caribbean Jamaican thing to do is to like stop with the air horn and be like, eh, and you know, like you know, fucking fuck funk flex. There was mm-hmm. there was a thing on <laughs> on a meme account that I follow about New York City that's like you're not from New York if you've never told Funk Flex to shut the fuck up and like the air horn is like totally <laughs> like shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I I there was a DJ that I that used to DJ this queer party and was like way too heavy on the air horn and I'm just like you're interrupting the flow like just let a song play like. It's like too much of a good thing, you know? Like I feel like a very strategically placed air horn, great. But like yeah. if you're just constantly interrupting the night with your air horn, it's too much. But then I was so I, I play a lot of pickleball. I think I've talked about that. And um I'm playing at this like park in Hyattsville, Maryland, which is like a very lovely scene and it's like you know, soccer and playground and it's like 
very diverse. It's like mostly people of color, whatever. And there's definitely some parents at the soccer, like, I think it was like probably the end of the season with the freaking air horn <laughs> on the side of the field, <laughs> like cheering for their, oh my um, cheering God. for their kids. It was kind of That's amazing. A really it was kind of amazing. A true commitment. Yeah. And now this is like very pickleball nerdy, but there's a score in pickleball, which is two, two, two. And that's now become like the air horn score because it sounds like do, do, do. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. That gets my full approval. I spent so many hours playing pickleball. This is the shit that happens. So, um, so anyway, I, I appreciate the air horn in this song because it's, it's strategic. I feel like it's not it's not overdone, you know. I read an article about how people are annoyed at the noise pickleball makes. Yes. Yes. That's a thing. It's a thing. I think it's just what happens when something is like explosively popular. Like I saw a a graph the other day and it was like comparing like the growth of three different sports. It was like tennis, golf and pickleball between 2020 and 2023. And pickleball has had like a 300% like millions and millions and millions of people are playing pickleball way more than those other sports. So I think part of it is just, like, how widespread and pervasive it is. But also, I'm, like, people who are – that's some NIMBY shit to me. I mean, like – that. Yes, I agree. I was going to say, I was, like, it seems so extra to me. Like, a ball, yeah. like, a tick, tick, tick. Like, get the fuck over yourself, bro. And like, like, move to the forest it, if that right. much quiet is important to you. And it's not, it's not in the middle of the night, you know? Like, this is – it's during, like, non-quiet hours. Like, I mean – if your like house backs up to a pickleball court, like I'm sorry for you because that's a lot. But like I don't know. I think it's also just like the same shit. Yeah, people don't want. It's like people don't want people using public spaces, and I'm like, this is what public spaces are for. You know? I know, I know. So. My my real gripe about some of this shit is like people who move to cities and then want it to be as quiet as the suburbs. It's right. like fucking yeah. stay. Don't come to New York and want to make it the suburbs. Don't build a mall here. Don't like fucking like want right. it to be quiet and complain about the ice cream machine stay where the fuck you are then like it's just like it really pisses me clean the fuck off like it's like you're raising our rents and you don't even like it here (laughs) (laughs) right yeah no expectations of quiet in like apartment buildings and cities i don't understand like it's just not like why do you feel entitled to that like it's not here yeah i mean like speaking which like (laughs) <laughs> I hate the 4th of July in DC because of the fireworks, you know, and, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to leave town. Like, I mean, obviously there's nothing I could do about it, but like, I'm going to leave town for the 4th of July. Cause I don't want to be around it. Like it's, it's just, this is just a part of the city. Like it's a part of the yeah. culture in DC. Yeah, and, like, exactly. It's like, this there's is nothing what I can being do about in it. a city is for sure. Yeah. And like, is my dog traumatized? Absolutely. <laughs> but you know, whatever, <laughs> like I have to figure it out. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, if they can make pickleball quieter, fine, but like, Stop, like, not wanting people to be outside playing sports, you know? Like, it's just yeah, it's Like, basketballs silly. make a lot of noise, too. I don't know. Yeah, it's very yeah, silly. Thing. It's very Luckily, silly. Luckily, nowhere I play has anybody been complaining in that way. But there Good. have been other places, like, in the burbs in D.C. where people have been complaining. And D.C. is actually putting, like, a bunch of money into building more courts and stuff. They're, like, trying to... We have, like, a really oh. good Parks and Rec department. Yeah, it's That's pretty great. You stellar. You do with that network of public pools and shit? Pools, courts. Yeah, it's amazing. And pickleball is, like, a very diverse sport. Like, people of all ages, people of all, like, abilities. Like, you don't have to be an elite athlete to play pickleball. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of seniors. It's, like, the bros are kind of coming into it now, which is annoying. But, like, oh, a lot of the people I play with are, like you know, 67 year old black women in DC, you know, it's like, yeah. it's kind of incredible in that way. Like I, I feel like I meet a di- more diverse group of people than I would otherwise in my life because of it. So, you know, I would love to hear, um, a, uh, like podcast series or something about the parks department in DC, because mm-hmm. you know that the reason that we don't, there used to be like a really generally widespread network of public pools in the United States. But once pools were desegregated what white people oh. chose to do was to fill the pools with cement and wow. like no pools instead of like uh instead of pools Se- that they could share pools yeah wow. so like what That's they so did up. yeah it's like a there's a an author who wrote this whole book about it that was sort of like as a it's like a microcosm for how whiteness operates and services operate like in the united states like it's like people would rather like shoot themselves in the foot and have not something nice rather than share it with black people and right. but then so they were able to like build to be... it in their private communities and shit you know yeah like, yeah people just like built their own pools like p- private pools right. or whatever but like public right. pools were like a really um 
they were a really big fixture of public life in the 50s, but they were segregated. Oh. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, I would love to know the history in D.C. Because we yeah. have... I mean, our parks department is like the number one in the country, and we have, I think, probably more pools per capita than anywhere else that are free and open to the public, indoor and outdoor. Like, there's one in almost every neighborhood, basically. That's Um, so cool. And I wonder, yeah, what the history of that is. And I mean, you know, it does have something to do with D.C. being a historically black city for so long. And yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's honestly one of the best things about dc and like when you're a literal in a literal heat wave it's like a it's like a safety issue like it's yeah, something that yeah, allows people, people to get can do yeah and they will open the pools and there's also a lot of splash parks and stuff yeah i mean there's a lot of things i love about dc but the parks and rec department is definitely up there um it's it's really incredible so i would love to know that history too that's really interesting i did not yeah. know that about pools but that yeah. makes sense. And I, I don't know what was happening in D.C. in the 50s and when D.C.'s population was majority black and how long that was the case. You know, I know it was the case in like the 70s, 80s and 90s, but I don't know if it predates that also. Um, wow. Fascinating. Well, yeah. Shout yeah. Yeah. There's um, they call it like drained pool politics. And it, I God. think this the author, the book that I'm thinking about is this author named Heather McGee and. Um, mm. The book is The Sum of Us, What Racism Costs Everyone and How We Can Prosper Together. Well, let's put a link in the show notes. That sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah I mean, sure. also like, I mean, DC, there's a lot of, because of the size of DC and the demographics of DC, it's like, it is segregated in many ways. And there are more spaces in DC that are mixed race than I think I've experienced in other places. Um, not everywhere, but in, in other cities, like... Austin, for example, like you didn't experience that really ever. Like there's places where, so the public pools is one of those situations also where you get a really diverse group of people because mm-hmm. it's public and free, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and accessible and it's to hot. everyone. <laughs> and it's hot. It's really hot. I know. I actually might try to go to the pool later, speaking of which, but well, that's fascinating. Thank you for that tidbit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this what next, is your first heat My wave first song. song is about um, a different aspect of heat waves. So let's take a listen to Que Calor, and it's by Major Lazer, J Balvin, El Alpha, E Diplo. discoteca which is a real 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 thing <laughs> so, so real, real. <laughs> oh my god the clubs get so, so i mean even when it's not a heat wave like you just can't i don't think you can air condition a club enough it's to too not many bodies it's too, too many, many bodies, bodies. It's it would too much cost a bazillion moving. dollars yeah it's, it's too many bodies club it's too much now. everyone's dancing yeah it's people are drunk it's yeah it's just impossible and so this is even more real for me now that I, I still mask in at parties. I still don't want to get COVID. And like Pride was a couple weekends ago. I went to a big dance, big queer dance party. I was wearing a mask. A bunch of people got COVID. It's you know? so much hotter with a mask on. Yeah. But wearing a mask is very hot and sweaty. It's very hot yeah. and sweaty. It's a trade-off, you know, but it's yeah, a trade-off sure. that I'm... I'm still willing you to You didn't get friends. COVID though. I didn't get COVID. <laughs> I didn't I didn't get COVID, you know. And one yeah. of my friends who got COVID had a mask but kept was taking it on and off and on and off all night long. 
and took it off to like talk to people, which is like the worst oh, <laughs> time to do it. Yeah. Because it's loud, yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, you can't see my. Anyway, anyway, she's yeah. fine now, which is good. But, um, but yeah. And then the other thing, I don't know if you've experienced, you probably experienced this, Veto, but like the like sweaty queer dance parties of a certain kind of subsect of the community can get really fucking rank. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Smelly. I feel like I don't attend those parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but... very possible. I unfortunately do sometimes and or not even a party. The other day I actually went to like a it was like a it was like a punk show. It was like it was like yeah, a showcase. That's was, where you'll find it. <laughs> yeah, it was like a hat band. Sh- it was like a hat band showcase. So people like, you know, whatever, they all get put into random bands and they <laughs> perform. And I, it was a fundraiser yeah. whatever. I went. Uh, a friend of mine was performing and um it was smelly up in there yeah i'm just like we've talked about this like scent free yeah scent free is not really scent free you know like there's there's like levels of it but um but yeah just like the summer and heat and people who are biking everywhere and different ideas about body odor and it can be rough so a mask is also helpful in that context as well oh yeah i was just in (laughs) portugal Oh, and so <laughs> I was part, part of the time, part of the time I was there at a music festival um, at a Afrobeats festival called Afro Nation. It was very close to Burn It Boy. I was very pleased. Um, but I, uh, on the way from Lisbon, from uh, the coast to Lisbon, somebody who I'm assuming was at the festival, the train was very crowded and they literally pooped their pants and my mask saved my life. Like... I was like, there's poop on this train. <laughs> I didn't see yeah. it because it was so crowded, but like I smelled it and I was like, he immediately knew. And my mask, like, you know, it was like 45 minutes on that train. Somebody threw up. Like, it was a lot. Like, but <laughs> people lost it, obviously. But I was like, uh, with my mask on and I was like, thank God. Masks have lots of purposes. They they, they, they cut Truly. out. They do a lot for us. They do a Truly. lot for us. But um, Saved my life. But yeah, the color in la discoteca is a real thing. I have to shout out this song, though, because it also mentions global warming. I'm like, okay, J Balvin, you know? Um, and it's from 2018. It was. I feel like it was a big hit in 2018. Yeah, yeah. I feel like to the like to like some of my great chagrin, because I despise Diplo, I really like this yeah, song. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. He he sucks, but he sucks. Also, he's but, involved you know, with he some can really make good a beat for sure. Beats. He can yeah. colonize a beat. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, <laughs> definitely. I feel like Jay Balvin, I'm like not really sure what he's up to lately. Like I haven't, I feel like he hasn't been getting a lot of attention. I don't know. Have you been, I know you're not a huge fan, but I don't know. If I'm not a huge fan, but I just don't think he's on an album cycle right now. Yeah. But he, I don't know. I feel like he did like fall a little bit out of favor. Like he's like not very cool, you know, <laughs> I feel yeah. like, but maybe not. I don't know. He's got a bazillion dollars. He's fine. Yeah, his last album was 2021, but he has put out a bunch of singles in 2022 and 2023. I think we're just not listening to them. Yeah. So I'm looking yeah. at his discography. I'm like, oh, no, there's a lot of singles. So, but yeah, this was, this was a jam. This was a jam. Yeah. All right. What song named Calor do you have next? <laughs> <laughs> So the next one is like another sort of aspect of music that I really enjoy, which is um, a lot of like the like indie creators, right? And this is a song by Reina Tropical. Let's take a listen.
can't start this without saying, um, you know, that one of the members, this is a two-person band, and one of the members, the producer, uh, it's a vocalist and a and like a producer, and the producer, Nectali Diaz, um, who is known as Sumo Hair, uh, passed really tragically in an accident um, last year, I want to say. Yeah. So, so devastating and unexpected and... Um, yeah, he was, I feel like Reina Tropical was, like, on their stride, you know, like, doing their thing. Like, they, like, I think had recently been on tour. Didn't you see them? I saw them, like, very, very soon before this happened, yeah. Yeah. Which was, like, really, yeah, even more upsetting. Yeah, and he'd just been, like, you know, been, like, a fixture in the L.A., like, you know, like, tropical DJ scene, right? And um, it's it was just a very a very sad thing but he left mm-hmm. behind a whole like body of work that is really beautiful and i really really loved reina tropical i never got to mm-hmm. see them live i don't think um but um but i did listen to them and was really um really sad to hear about his passing it was a really mm-hmm. talented guy but and um, i, and I think the, song- the co-hosts are the um the other person in the band whose name I can't remember is still going, is still trying to keep it yeah, going. Yeah, still, she so. is. yeah, she is. Yeah. She is. Yeah, I mean, I um, I think that this th- this song is really great. I really loved it. Like, I, you know, like, it was on my rotation when it came out. And it's so, like, I think that it really speaks to a lot of, like, the production that Sumo Hair did. It's just, like, super, like, lush and happy, like... Tan alegre, you know what I mean? Mm. And um, from the way that his friends spoke about him when um, he passed, it seemed like that was like sort of encompassed who he was as well. So mm. um, it's, um, you know, it's really like a tragic passing, but really dope that he has left this like really beautiful body of work that we can mm-hmm. all still enjoy. But yeah, so that's what um, I just wanted to bring it for that reason. And um yeah, it's a good, it's also like a good, like, hot weather song. Damn, it has been hot. Mm. Yep. We're recording this on Friday, July 7th, so we'll see what next week is like. But this is the this is the week that's been, yeah, like, the 4th was, like, the hottest day ever recorded on Earth or something. Oh I mean, since God. we've been re- since we've been recording, which is not, right. you know, Since forever, we've been recording. But... It's not, like, Lifetime, but my God, like, I just, I don't know, man. I feel like at times really defeated and at times like it's like I don't feel like we have that long to get it together and I'm like we're gonna get it together like it's so obvious now like we're you know but and sometimes I'm like oh my god we're never gonna get it together. well I sent you I always want to send you like good news stuff you that do I see. send me good news yeah. it makes me it's the only reason I feel like maybe we will get me get it together yeah. is because of the cool stuff that you send me that's like the yeah. good news about people making interventions yeah, I'm so glad it's helpful. I mean, I and this one, I want to pull it up because it was like particularly part of why this one was inspiring is like that some things are shifting without us even trying. Let me see if I can find it because it was about climate change specifically and about um, alternative energy sources. So this is a report from the Rocky Mountain Institute and I can put a link in the show notes to it. And it says um, the Paris Agreement goals are within our reach. Clean energy is moving faster than almost anyone realizes. So it's like there is like, yeah, there is momentum happening that isn't that isn't even like having to be forced in some ways with the transition of the of the energy economy. And so um, I'll put a link so people can see. But there's three graphs that's showing the growth of solar and wind and electrifying the economy and then kind of what at what point emissions will start to collapse. So it's not I mean, the situation is still very dire, but like things are happening Um actively in motion right now and that's very exciting yeah yeah that is it is exciting and it's it makes me feel like okay it's becoming so urgent and like maybe we are gonna get it together because like i i mean i as like an activist and a person who's interested in the outcome of the world was like always interested in this issue but like i thought that personally i was never gonna have to deal with it because i'm not gonna have kids And I thought that this shit wasn't going to be, 
like as turned up as it was in my lifetime. And I'm like, are you, do you mean to tell me? I've just like been having this like mm. really over the past like five years is like really intense realization that I'm like, oh no, I'm going to live through this. Like yeah. <laughs> I just like didn't, I had not come to terms with that because I was like, well, the bloodline ends here. Like <laughs> none of my, none of my sisters have kids. Like I, there's nobody like that. I'm like, you know, like oh, there's kids in my life and I'm like, that sucks. But like, you know, like I'm just like, you know, I didn't think that it was going to personally, 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 personally affect me in the way that it does right now. Because even though climate disaster is happening all over the world, like, you know, like the eastern horn of Africa is like been in drought for like a couple decades. And like, there's islands in like the, you know, like in the Pacific uh, that are, you know, disappearing, Right. you know because of the way that climate disaster works is that the countries that emit the most are the ones that are the least affected. And that still remains true, but it's like, Oh no, we're not, we're not even safe here at the core of the empire. (laughs) Like there's nothing to be done. Everything affects everything else. And things are like, like just unfolding in ways that people didn't even know that they could. And I'm like, Oh God. But I do, I do, I do see your good news snippets and they do (laughs) give me some hope. Some hope. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a political imperative, right? Like if we, if we believe that nothing can change, like then we've lost, you know, because then we, we won't try. Right. So it's like, and I think in some ways, like that's what people on the right or like people in extreme perspectives, like they're telling their people that like they're going to get what they need in heaven, you know, like they don't even care about like what is happening to the earth they're on because they're all sort of have this like celestial mission. So like we have to believe that it's possible. Otherwise what's the point, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. we're not gonna, we're not going to stop trying. I think about it too. When people talk about social security, like people in our age in our generation talk about like the end of social security as an inevitability. And it's like, that's actually like right wing propaganda. Like there is no inevitability on the end of social security. Like it is a choice that we make as a country and a policy choice on not whether or not we want this program to survive. But every time someone's like, Oh, it's not going to exist when I'm, you know, 75. Like we are actually actively killing it every time we say that because we are, it's yeah. like almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like we are, but, but in a real way, not in like a mystical way. It's like, if we believe that it's not like we, we have a choice, we have a choice of social security can absolutely exist when I'm 75 and that's a choice that we make, you know? And so yeah. I feel that that's a very concrete example, but like, I feel like that's true also about, you know, climate change or any other apocalypse that we might be confronting, you know, it's like we, yeah. hope is a discipline. It's a, it's a political necessity like we have to believe that things can change and i do yeah, think they can sure. you know oh yeah the oz- absolutely like the, the ozone layer is like a really beautiful example of right it like is people a really thought the world example. was gonna end because yeah. we had a hole in the ozone layer and then they got rid of the chemicals that create the hole in the ozone layer and it's going to close within the next like 20 years you know yeah so yeah it's a balance between not like minimizing the problems but also making people believe that like we can do something you know so yeah but um, yeah, for sure. I think that climate disaster feels a little bit intense because there's such a time. It's like time limited. Like I feel like for other, just because I've been doing activism for like 20 years and it's like slow work, you know, and I'm just like, we don't have time to be slow on this one. Like we really need to like turn a really big ship around in a very short amount of time. But I also, I I also believe it's possible. I also totally believe it's it's possible. possible. I think it's actually happening. Like, you know, there's a lot you can say about Biden, but there, you know, some of the policies in that big bill he passed are some of the most progressive climate policies we've had. And like, there are problems with implementation and like, you know, but like things are happening. There's a lot of investment going to. So yeah, for me, I have to practice hope and like optimism. And so I'm constantly looking for, that's why I follow these like good news outlets and stuff. It's like, you know, it's really easy to report on bad news. Like, you know, that's what yeah. sells, but that's actually it is like, what not, sells. Yeah. It's not the full picture. So I just don't want anyone to believe that it's over, you know, that we can't do anything because that is the end. If we actually mm-hmm. all believe that, you know, so. All right. Soapbox over. Um, <laughs> my next song is um, also called Calor and it's by a Puerto Rican artist named Cheska. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Oh, 
She's a Puerto Rican artist, I think new to both of us, um, and maybe new to the podcast. Um, but I, yeah, I really like what she has going. And then we both noticed looking at her bio that she suffered like a near death boating accident as a teenager and had like 14 reconstructive surgeries. Ugh, so that's intense. Um, Very intense. Yeah. And is this the yeah. first song? This, this might be the first song we brought that's about sex. I don't know. It was the first one. No, the Hector Father one was probably about sex, right? Oh, the first one on this episode. I yeah. was like, what? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, my God, no. so confused. All we ever do is bring songs about sex. Yeah, no, no, no. That's why I, every episode I mark explicit. I'm like, we're probably talking about sex. Um, no, I think yeah, that's episode, I would say that episode, like, one is also about sex. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah this one is um, pretty great because she's, at one point, she's like, how long can you last? I can go all night. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, I just want to put a plug for like queerness for a second. <laughs> yeah. Let's put a plug about, for queerness. Because queerness or, involves know, very long sex, which is. And there's I no limitations. Like, there's no bodily. Well, it depends on people's bodies. Right. So sometimes there are bodily limitations, but sex toys, my friends, even straight people, if men could well, get right. over themselves. I think that, like, unless you know? you're only defining, even if you're straight, like, or having straight sex, like, even if you're only, if you're just defining sex as, like, you know, penis and vagina, then, like, okay, yeah, maybe there's, like, so far you can go, but, like, like, is that all you want to do? Like, that's not all I want to do, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, but I do think there is, like, a physiological thing that happens with people with penises where like there's like a yeah there's like an exhaustion point right there's like a, yeah, there's a point sure, where someone needs to take a break they still have fingers and they still yeah, have mouths exactly you exactly. know what I mean and like it's and just also like, like use all that you've got bro <laughs> and also sex toys yo like don't be afraid like anybody can pick the size of their situation yeah with silicone dildo you know so anyway so yeah it doesn't just have to be queerness but I do think it is like a queer approach to sex correct to not center yes, that's right um penetration and to not center penetration with a, a penis you know with like a biological penis i'm like what are the words to use so tired they get tired yeah so <laughs> so i don't know jessica if you're looking for someone who can go all night you might want to think about <laughs> who you're having sex with um, yeah i feel like i'd have heard of this artist but i've never like bothered to like check out her music and i'm like oh this yeah is, this is fun it's good right i know yeah yeah this is so fun all right well the last calor episode named that last song named calor on this episode is your next pick and this is a this is a fave of yours yes this is like another genre of um of music that like just like weirdo electronic shit of which there are many subgenres naturally but um arca has been a longtime favorite of mine um, in the weirdo electronic shit category that I've just made up. So let's take a listen to Calor by Arca. Calor. 
was this a song you were already you already were aware of, or did this you discover this song through this? No, no, no. I already was aware of this. Um, This was from Arca's Kick One, which is an album that I reviewed. Uh, So I was like, you know, like deeply familiar with like the whole album. And this is, um, you know, she's in like as much as can be for an artist like her, like sort of like a pop era. So this Mm -hmm. like, you know, like this is... um, while really remaining true to like her production sound like as somebody who's been like listening to her for you know like a decade at this point like they always use these sounds that are like really like like i know like the set of sounds i'm like yeah that sounds like arca you know and she's still using them but just like in really different ways that like are maybe like more accessible in like a pop landscape and um calor is like a ballad you know mm-hmm. um and it's uh you know when i first started listening to arca uh she was like making like eight minute long like bleepy uh, you know like expansive crazy shit and um she started using her voice like at some point with her um, with her self-titled album at the encouragement of her mentor Bjork and now like she's <laughs> like experimenting with these more like pop musical formations and um, I feel like this is like just like a sweet ballad which is not sweet is not the first word that I would use to describe uh, her music generally but this manages that and also like staying true to herself and her sound which i really love for her is she like more popular than you would have ever imagined um or more successful maybe i don't know she seems like she has a pretty big audience for yeah she has a pretty big audience but it's like an audience of weirdos i think as big as like somebody like her can get you know like I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's possible that she's she, like, she'll reach like a, it's hard to know sometimes like, because she's not like a mainstream pop artist, it's hard to know like how big her audience is because like, I've just been listening to her for so long. Um, yeah. but I did see, um, a picture of, um, her and Villano Antillano together. Mm. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, please collab, please collab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I would die. I would die. It's like the like Latina trans woman magic that mm-hmm. we need in music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my I think the re- reason I get that sense is like, like it seems like she's got decent funding, right? Like her production, like her videos, like it's not these are not like low budget operations. It looks like to me, and so that's yeah. I think she's why definitely I got assume... a label. Also, I mean, I'm pretty sure her dad is rich. Uh, but okay. I also, okay. that, but I do helps, think, I yeah, not, I, I don't know that her, that like, that's what's funding her shit now. Like she like definitely like is on ads for like big designers and stuff like that. So like, I'm pretty sure like her career is made. Um, but yeah, she, yeah, just... she's like, she's, she is, she's fairly successful in her lane, you know? Right. Right. And seems pretty visible too, you know, for what she does. Yeah, yeah so. for sure. All right. Well, the next song is a different interpretation of this theme. So a little more political in a different way. Um, And this is a band that I love and I just saw recently. Let's take a listen to Paquet Trabajad by La Santa Cecilia. Comenzar otra semana No quiero ser aquel pendejo Siempre juicioso a trabajar La realidad me tiene preso No estoy dispuesto a cooperar Quiero inventar mi camino
I don't dream of labor anthem. Uh-huh. And, like, this one goes out to all the people who have to work outdoors in these, Ooh. like, horrific heat waves yes. and have no protections and no ability to stay in their air-conditioned homes and yeah. um, in fucking places like Texas, fuck you, Governor Abbott, don't even have legal mm. protections for water breaks. Like, oh, workers' comp? There's no workers' comp in ugh. Texas? Ugh. It's just horrific. It's horrific. So, like, you know, there's a lot of people who are particularly affected by heat waves. There's homeless folks there's people have to work outside there's people without air conditioning there's the elderly like extreme heat is like a really big problem for people who are vulnerable um but yeah just i just think about like farm workers and construction workers and all the other people who have to be outdoors for their job and can't just be like i must stay home you know because we don't have protections for workers it's really a fucking mess yeah yeah for sure and it it's is one of the things that we have to think about in climate change is all the work that happens outdoors and it's, mm-hmm. you know, like increasingly grueling and dangerous to be right. able to do that kind of work um, in these kinds of conditions. Right. Yeah. And I saw something about like the particular, there's a particular type of heat that is starting to happen. Um, I can't remember the term for it now, but it's like a combination of heat and humidity, extreme heat and humidity. That means that like Mm. even shade and air conditioning, like don't actually effectively cool to the point where it's still really dangerous. So yeah, we have to address it. We have to address, we have to address heat. Um, And there's some really interesting things that are happening to address heat in in, like urban places. This is another, something I read a while ago about like efforts to, because um, cities are these like heat domes because of the concrete, because of the the lack of of trees and the color. And so yeah, people are doing things like trying, uh, like repainting this color of the streets with like a reflective paint that doesn't absorb heat and stuff like that to try and create cooler environments in cities. It's like, there's a lot we can do. Like this is not inevitable. Like, there's a reason forests are cooler than deserts, you know, like we have a lot of tools, but we have to use them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when I was in, even when I was like in Portugal last week, I was like walking around Lisbon and it, it was a heat wave um, over there. And even like the Canadian wildfires for a few days, like they got mm-hmm. to Portugal, like, like the, I, like I, it was just like such a weird deja vu. It was just like, we're all connected. Like in New York a couple of weeks ago, we had like mm-hmm. all the smoke from the wildfires, like here, you know, when I was over there, like it was just like wild. But um, when I was walking around the city, like there was a moment where like we ran into like a large park and we went in and it was like instantly cooler, instantly mm-hmm. cooler just to be mm-hmm. around grass and around trees. And mm-hmm. it reminded me of this infographic by, um, this artist, this infographic artist that I follow called Mona Chalabi, uh, that did like a heat map of New York City, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. according to like how hot it gets in different neighborhoods, because and it's based on like how much green there is yep. in the neighborhood. Yep. Um, and neighborhoods that are predominantly black and predominantly Latino are mm-hmm. um, the hottest neighborhoods in the city. Of course. Of course. Um, of course, you know, and so like, that's the kind of thing I feel like uh, Mona Talabi's work is really impactful to me because you can see things so clearly when with like her, like the way of like her way of visualizing data is super impactful. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was, I was listening to, I think it was like the daily or like today explained or something where they had the guy on who wrote Jeff Goodell, Jeff Goodell, Goodell or something. He wrote this book called the heat will kill you first. And it's like, sort of like about like, no, it's like this heat is like really, really difficult to handle. And people, heat has this like PR <laughs> like glow about it where people like love hot weather, like myself included. But like, this is not glamorous hot weather. This is like mm-hmm. really, really bad. And it's really bad if like for people who like don't have air conditioning like globally or people who have AC but like can only really afford to run it for an hour a day or like, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things. So. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's a huge issue, think about. and it has to be addressed. Yeah, from a like prevention place, not just like a how do we cool when it's hot. Like we have to be preventing. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Because yeah. before AC, people survived really hot conditions, but they were just you know like had homes that were sort of like built for that, and had practices also that like were about staying cool. So they're just like things that we need to relearn and start to redo. 
Yeah, I was when I lived in Austin, you know, we had like the extreme winter stuff and the grid issues, but also like the houses are not optimized for hot weather either. Like building has to be done in a way that keeps yeah, buildings for cool sure. keeps them, you know, it's like it has to be in the infrastructure really and it and it could be easily, right? And it's yeah, just like it's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice people are making to not do it. Yeah, um, for sure. So I got to see, I wanted to bring La Santa Cecilia to this episode anyway, because I got to see them live last week, um, which was so lovely. I fucking love them. That's the second time I've seen them. They're like one of my favorite bands. So Really great good. live show. So good. Yeah. They were at the Kennedy Center, which like is a huge performing arts center here. And they have actually free shows um, at this thing called Millennium Stage. If you're in DC, y'all, free freaking music, like every week it's amazing and this was a free show um and so it's really accessible and and you just get Mm -hmm. like you can get a free ticket online it's like not a big deal um and one thing i love about them like you know usually people are it's like it's not a it's not a concert venue it's not like a a club or something right so it's like people are sitting in chairs just like watching and then like maybe 20 minutes in she's like come up and dance you know and so then um mostly the like latinx people who are at the show like we all went to the front and we're dancing and that was like fun because their music is just very dancing music you know and they're not used to like performing to people who are just like sitting quietly watching so that was fun and then i have like kind of a crush i think on pepe carlos the the accordionist of this of this OMG. group he's so good he makes the yeah. accordion sexy he makes the accordion sexy like i believe that you know and he he had two different accordions that he played with both were like small and compact and like sexy i don't know how else to say it and then he also plays <laughs> he he's also a string um he plays like a it's it looked like a, a smaller type of guitar i don't know if it was like a tres or what but he was i mean he's just it's just like the skills involved. I know we've talked yes. about this before, but like you have to do three different things at once to play the accordion, you know, like it's not easy at a, by any means anyway. No. So I did a little video of him on our, if you don't follow us on Instagram, you should on our Instagram stories. I did a little video. I mean like shout out to the accordion players and he reposted it. And then like, sent us a message and I was totally like having like a fan moment. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Hi. You know, <laughs> there is something to me that like skill makes things so sexy. Like I feel like yeah. I, I feel like the other day I was like, I ate something and it, like after I tried it and I like felt how good it was and how just like incredible the food tasted. Like I looked at the cook. I was like, you were sexier to me, like 25% more than you were before I took a bite out of this food because like there's something about the skill involved in really anything, really anything that's just like, it's always hot. Yeah. And he like the way he plays, like he's just really getting his life on stage. I mean, to be clear, Marisol is amazing. She's beautiful. I was definitely yes. like, is she family or not? Like, I'm not sure. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> like, she's amazing. Her voice is incredible. But, you know, I feel like she gets a lot of attention, right? She's the lead singer. And I just wanted to... I mean, there's a lot of great musicians in that band. And they that's actually very sweet. Like, the core group of the four of them, maybe five of them, have been together this whole time. Um, it's like almost yeah. 10 years. Like, they have a very that's sweet, so you know... Sweet. It's like unusual, I think, for that to happen, right? There's usually a lot of attrition, but, but yeah, shout out to him um, because it was just great, and he's now following us on Instagram, and I was like, oh my god, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that was my moment. Um, But yeah, they're great. If you don't know them, they're actually coming again in DC in a couple months and opening for Juanes, (laughs) which like, um, I think I'm gonna go just because like even though Juanes is not like my favorite, I feel like it's gonna be a really fun show, and I excited that they're opening for them so it's at that like outdoor venue that i love that you've been to with me but i went wolf trap so i think i might go kind of for the opener but i know you know yeah. i can sing to la camisa negra like it'll be fun yeah yeah it'll be, yeah, fun. It'll be fun and like i think that like juan is, is like a good performer is the yeah. um you know like what i've heard the sense you get yeah yeah well thanks y'all for listening to this episode Hope you're finding ways to stay cool if you are in a hot part of the world. And yeah, let's advocate for climate change policies or cli- policies to combat climate change. Yeah. Um, we can we can do stuff. It's not it's not over. It's not over till it's over, you know? It's not over. It's not over. Uh, as always, all the songs that we mentioned and the little details that we mentioned throughout the episode will be linked in the show notes. So make sure to check us out there and follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, 
Our newsletter always has fun little things. So make sure to check us out and sign up all there. Um, after next week, we're going to be taking a little summer break, but we'll be back in September. But we've got a whole ass archive for you if you miss us and want to, to hear our voices every Friday. And if you follow us on social media, we'll still post a little bit there. Um, and shout out to MyTip for your editing help. And we'll see you all next week. Hasta la próxima, y'all. Stay cool. Bye. Bye.